When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time. Your host, Stu Palmer. We delve into the world of MMA. And my guest today is former UFC MMA fighter. It is Joe Daddy Stevenson on the show today for episode 141 of Shoes Wrestling Podcast, all the way from California. Joe, I want to talk about your career, but first and foremost, I want to talk about free MMA, a special gym for kids who are underprivileged, people on low incomes, and even seniors who can come and train for free at Free MMA with your good pal Jared. So yeah, let us know what it's all about. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. I'm helping out my buddy Jared. He he um, turned me on to this uh, this great concept of helping people. I think some of the people that need it the most, you know, people that come from troubled backgrounds, people that have seen abuse, um, and I mean, not very many of these groups specialize um, on certain things, but this particular group specializes on abused uh boys you know not just all children but they really they have some focus on on people that have been hurt real bad and they try to use mixed martial arts and martial arts themselves to change their life and help put them in the right direction it's an amazing amazing thing they're doing joe that's incredible just so so nice to hear yeah what else has been happening with it this year and you know what what's been going on yeah um i know it's been it's been a crazy 2023 i've had definitely some nuts stuff happen such as like four people passing in this last 25 days it's made me realize like how much it's important to tell the people you love around you that you love them so uh that's it. If you haven't done that today, you should. It's nice to hear you're helping them. You know, these people have got problems. So, yeah, just you can draw off your personal experiences as well. But, yeah, just what great help you guys are giving these people. And it's amazing. It's just so, so nice to hear. It's so refreshing to hear. Yeah, and there's very few outlets. You know, when bad things happen, um, there's, there's a lot of things you could do to distract yourself but the one the ones you choose you have to be very careful because you know if you're going to use like alcohol or drugs or something to mask it it doesn't hide it it's still there and you have to go and address it at some time even distractions like man i'm just going to train really hard well after you're done training really hard it's still going to be there so you you better prepare yourself to deal with these things I'd love to know how many people you've got in the gym, you know, how many people are training, the people that you're helping out, that'd be great to hear. Well, so the last practice that I saw 
there was 11, 11 different people, like tw uh, tw you know, 15 different students. But when I say students, some were kids, and some had transitioned as kids as like young adults. Um, it was it was beautiful to see and to see how hard they're working um, and to see them going in the right direction. I mean, there's a lot more students than that, I'm sure. But the particular class I got to see on a Friday night at 7 p.m., which is as a coach, your 7 p.m. class on a Friday, you tend not to have 15 people in it because Fridays, everyone's out doing something, partying. I think that really caught my attention when I when I went to the practice and I noticed I like to have my fighters train at 7 p.m. And I'll have, you know, sometimes a pack class, but a lot of times there's like four or six guys that are dedicated um, to see a class pack like that on a Friday night. Um, and to know that it was involving people that needed the class just as much as the class needed them. It was, is really beautiful. This could be rolled out in the UK. It'd be amazing to see someone follow this, give people an incentive to come and train, a place, a safe place to train. So yeah, they could really take some tips and advice from this, what you're doing over there in California and in the USA. Yeah, I mean, there's so much more to look into it. I'm sure, honestly, the gyms can look into grants to allow that too, to help the troubled youth. Um, there's so much, there's a lot of programs out there that can just help steer you in the right direction. Sometimes like starting a recycling program and saying, hey guys, you can bring your recycling in it. This is all going to go, go towards people that need it. You know, little things, anything in the right direction. How have things been going for you, Joe? What have you been doing away from free MMA for a moment? What's been happening? Where have you been training? I know you're so active on the MMA circuit, helping guys um really 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 good <laughs> like we uh i teach uh dan henderson's in temecula and i teach at cobra kai in victorville so two days of the week i'm in temecula drive an hour and a half there an hour and a half back and then the other other rest of the week i'm in victorville coaching um doing that allows my guys to cross train um, there's like four other gyms that a lot of times the hard thing is, you know, in MMA, everyone's like, oh, I got this secret move. I don't want anyone to see it. I don't want them cross training is not really pushed too much at gyms and stuff. Like it's not nice to see all these guys being able to train with a bunch of people and try to just become better. Um, the the program, the jiu-jitsu program is doing wonderful. The MMA program is doing wonderful. Boxing, kickboxing. It's all awesome. Um, we focus on youth, so that's always been – I've noticed, like, adults, they'll break your heart, but kids, like, it's always the right reason. They have, they'll, they'll go out there. Not only will they cry um, and, and, and smile so big when they win or lose, but they're, they're most of these kids, you know, amateurs too, they're paying for the experience. They're legitimately paying for these competitions. Even the ones that are fighting amateur, you know, you have to pay for your medicals. Um, and to, to see them love it to the extent that they do something that's so difficult, it makes me happy because fighting really prepares you for life. Life's not fair. Bad things happen um, even when you're doing everything right. But in fighting or in wrestling, you know, if you lose your match at the tournament, 
you gotta you you can't dwell on it because you gotta move on for the next match and be prepared. Um, and that's kind of how what what life is all about. You know, bad stuff's gonna happen. What do you do about it? What do you think of MMA currently, the UFC? You know, a lot has changed since you were in there so many years ago. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on UFC and MMA currently and where it's at? I was at Prince Albert's Hall for UFC 33 and a third. Um, to watch it blow up the way it has is, is beautiful. But we kind of all said it in the beginning. We were All those guys were like, yeah, this is going to be the biggest sport in the world. Um, and we've watched it become the, definitely the fastest growing sport and competing with all the other sports. And it's, it's something that with that, you're going to have development. The coaches like, like myself and other coaches now, they've got to learn from their own past experiences when we would spar five times a week to now like sparring two or three times a week or even using some type of live drill scenario to get the same result of spiked heart rate with less trauma to the brain. You know, being able to teach the guys the don'ts, hey, don't go out there and do this. Like, find yourself, find your rhythm, find out what type of fighter you are, but definitely don't go do this stuff. <laughs> that tends to be the best way to approach it. Yeah, look at the differences now and look at John McCain and what he was doing to outlaw it in the early days. You know, they were waiting for it to be passed in different states. So to see where it is now to where it was then, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? John McCain is not a person that a lot of people, like, I feel there was a time a lot of people trusted him and where he was going. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm I'm not a big supporter of him. I think people that say stuff like that have alternative motives. Um, so, and for sure that person does and still does. So that's just my personal opinion. It's guys and people within politics, politicians who know nothing about combat sports, though, isn't it? And that, that was the problem, wasn't it, in the early days? And as you say, it's all other codes of fighting. But yet, yeah, they don't know, they don't understand. Even, you know, I bet there's people today that don't understand. But yeah, even back then, in the early days, they were, they're not fans of the sport. They looked at it as human cockfighting. Well, I mean... On, on another level, there's so many other factors that you have to calculate. You know, there's, there's the idea that there could have been boxing that was causing, like maybe they were trying to prevent MMA from becoming big. There's so many things. And then maybe MMA is trying to stop um, boxing stuff from coming over, like the Muhammad Ali. Um, and we're just sitting here watching it, trying to, trying to say, well, who's the bad guys? Um instead of focusing on what's important like what can we what can we do what can we do to guarantee that you know like negative things don't happen to our children or to our fighters or to our youth obviously you're really really busy joe but do you get a chance to watch any fights are you watching the recent stuff or is it just a case of time constraints and not being able to i hate I only like watching fights when I got a friend fighting, you know, Clay, Cub, Juan, like when I, that's, that's fun to me. Um, this is, I teach, I teach about eight hours to, to 10 hours a day 
of actually jujitsu, combat, and MMA. Like I just drove down to Dan's. I'm I'm pulling up to the parking lot, and I'm going to teach from eight to twelve. Take a break for three hours and forty five minutes, and teach again until like seven to eight o'clock. Then I'll drive home. I this is what I do. Like when you see three hundred, and he's like Sparta. Like what is your profession? This is what I do. I do ten thousand hours. If you were to do this for five hours a day, or no, five just five hours a week, that's like one hour a day, it would take you something like 39, 38 years to reach 10,000 hours. I reach 10,000 hours without counting weekends, just weekdays, every 4.8 years of this sport. So it's this is, I love what I do. Um, I get to be the, I'm the U S coaching director for the, for the United States. So I get to help like, um, upcoming talent and I get to like tell them my, my stories about like what may work, may not work. Um, I get to go to Serbia, I believe in, in two weeks and help the U S team at the IMF world championships. So very excited. I, I just honestly love everything I get to do, and I get to involve my children in it. They're wrestling. They've, they're national. One of them is a national champ already in MMA, and just, just some really remarkable, amazing things. I bet that's the ultimate. I bet it eclipses anything you did in your career. Your son wrestling and the way you look at it. So I bet it's amazing. That that's full circle for you. But yeah, as I say, your son being involved in it in wrestling, you getting to see him. I think it's just, I can only imagine how it feels for you as a father. Oh, I cried, yeah. Yeah, I cried. I told him, I love you, son, and I held him, and I, and he didn't get it. He looked at me, and he was like, why are you crying, Dad? And I said, because I have, I fought for the belt, I'm one ultimate fighter, I did, I'm the coach, I'm the co one of the co coaches for the U.S. team, I'm, I've, I'm doing all this, and nothing, none of it mattered. Because I have four sons, and a lot of people in this sport would just hold me accountable to what my children have done. And for you to do this, and while he's wrestling, while he's going to school, while he's looking at college, like all of these things happening in his life, um, to still be able to, 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 to be able to win it and have the opportunity, I, I just gave, gave him the biggest hug and told him I love him so much and thank you for everything. That's so nice to hear, Joe. It's just so, so nice to hear you're able to do that with your son. Um, do you guys, do you train? Oh, I couldn't train, Joe. Oh, my days. Two left feet. Bambi would be better than me at doing that. I, there's just no way I could do it. I love watching it that way, fan perspective, but oh, I couldn't fight. Just my coordination and things like that. That's not true. I got a 64-year-old guy named Easy who started training with me when he was 62. He's already competed two, um, in a tournament, had two different brackets, competed in, like, um, never wrestled in his whole life. You can do it, but it's difficult. I get it. I I think I, anything that, something like, if you're to have this podcast, to be able, you, clear, you clearly care. And that being said, you probably can't do anything half-butt. Like, like, I'm up a lot like that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm very, very unsteady on my feet. So yeah, it's just as I say, as I alluded to just a second ago, I'm like Bambi, man. I'm like Bambi. I don't think I'd be very good, especially with stand-up. Well, I won a few fights not even throwing one punch. So like necessarily... Necessarily, you don't have to have the best footwork, but it's very important. I know a lot of really good boxers and MMA fighters take dancing lessons just for their footwork. It'd be like me with my son as well. I think you know he's young; he's only six and a half months old. But it'll be when he's doing things. I can't wait to live stuff through him. And I hope he's good at sport. I hope he doesn't take after me, and he's good at sports. Oh yeah, that's gonna make you better. I can't wait for that. I cannot wait to see him and live it through him, as I just said before. It's it's amazing. So, yeah, that's kudos to you as well. You know, a father to four boys. It's just amazing to hear about you living through your sons as well. So, so cool. To love somebody more than yourself. So, what I've always told my friends when they're having a baby is, like, you're about to experience a new level of love that you've never experienced. You're about to have love for something on this earth that more than yourself and is beautiful. Um, and you know, when that baby is born, it's so close to God just because um, it's just starting out just like that. And it's, you know, our responsibility to protect them and to help bring them into a position to where they can, you know, ra- like protect themselves eventually as they become adults and guide them. Just like we do coaching, we have to guide our children. You know, no one wants a coach that's telling them to do one thing and doing the other thing. If no one wants a parent that's telling them one thing and doing another thing, you know, you got to preach. You got to live what you preach. Back to your career, Joe, way back when. Obviously, I remember when you were a contestant on The Ultimate Fighter way back when. I remember watching the series and just loving seeing you winning it. Uh, Just your experiences of that, being on The Ultimate Fighter, you know, sowing your oats early on in your career. I'd love to hear about that. I've been on two. I've been on two. The The one where I got knocked out uh, was probably my most proudest moment, you know, because prior to that, we had, we, we were, they were talking about the lockdown and they were doing like no Muslims allowed to come into the U.S. And it was literally just happening through why we were in the Ultimate Fighter and there were some Muslims that were on our team. And so we all decided, we said, you know, I, I talked to, I talked to him and I was like, you know, after the fight, let's pray. And we were able to pray after the fight. So I was, I felt blessed to be able to wake up from being unconscious and to still be able to remember my responsibility um, of prayer and to be that role model and being able to say it. That was better than winning it in season two. Um, And for my children to be able to see that. I've got to ask you about facing BJ Penn, the man, the legend, obviously UFC Hall of Famer. You know, you were still relatively young when you were fighting him. So, yeah, just getting to take on the legend, the man, the legend in MMA that was BJ Penn, man. How was that for you? Well, I was really lucky when I fought BJ. My um, brother-in-law was a PJ at the time, and he got to work with some of the Queen's Airmen. So, I... uh, 
I remember I had a bunch of tickets I in my contract because I was fighting in Vegas. I would get X amount of tickets. Well, not everyone flew out to <laughs> to England. So I was able to give some tickets um, to the, the Queen's Airmen, you know, the Special Forces guys. And as a gift to me, they gave me one of their bottles of scotch, a single malt, beautiful, distilled with, like, they told me the story behind it. And I think it was like 20 or 30 years old. And I was looking at it and I, it was such an honor. And this is what a, I haven't drank in 10 years, my friend, since October 16th. Um, to the, uh, I was 30. I'm 40 now. And, and when it happened, um, this is how stupid I am. Like we are having, it was a great time. We had a great fantasy football, uh, draft party and i'm like oh let's open that bottle i open the bottle i give it to all my buddies it was drank the way it was supposed to be enjoyed but i'm sure it's something i could have cherished held on and given to my children <laughs> i'd love to hear about your sobriety as well i know you had your struggles over the years you've overcome that yeah just how how has that been you know the genesis of that and just yeah life life before that and stuff that maybe triggered it for you when my dad passed away, I was 17 years old. On that same time, my uh, not only my dad, but my grandpa, who was like a POW in World War II and pretty much raised me, um, he passed away too because my dad was gone. And so it was very difficult. And I grew up in a house where you could drink at the house. You just couldn't drink outside the house. So it was acceptable. So... I used alcohol to mask my pain. I cried when I found out my dad died. And I cried when I got his wallet and his ashes. And I hadn't really addressed it until I stopped drinking. Ten years ago, you know, I found myself going through, after the first 30 days of sobriety, having to go through all the emotions that I suppressed. And it opened me up um, to where... I feel okay to cry now. Like if I start, if something happens that's bad, I, I understand it's okay to cry. Um, I understand that it's okay to release those emotions. Um, and, and that really makes me feel a lot better. Um, I've had four people that I love pass away in the last 25 days. And the, 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 some of the coping mechanisms now, such as helping others have, like to be positive and remind them of the good times has really helped me, um, you know, making slides and stuff uh, for the memorials, things like that has helped me deal with it. And it's, I guess, trying to think of the most positive way to, to go forward um, is very important. Thank you for sharing that, man. Thank you so, so much for sharing that. That's a personal thing. So for you to share that, I know people obviously have issues with alcohol, drugs, it's going to help them massively hearing how you've coped and how you've managed with it. Yeah, no, no problem. I realized, you know, drinking, I, I am, you're, I'm a parent that's never been late to pick up my kids from school. Um, never, never not called them on a call time, never. And, and that was a big thing to me was like, hey, am I doing my very best? Cause, cause I believe, you know, to honor God is my mission and, and to do my very best to honor him and to be a great father and all these things. And, and I realized I wasn't, and it wasn't allowing me to do my very best. So it was a quick fix. I can't.
I get distracted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, there's no need to be sorry, Joe. It's fine. On this show, we flip-flop from subject to subject, and then we go back to topics that we were speaking about. It's very free. We're very robust on this show, so don't worry about that. It's absolutely fine. We've obviously come away from BJ Penn there. I knew we were starting to talk about it. So, yeah, just getting in there with BJ, man. Oh, well, here, let me give you the story from when the fight started. I was 18 years old. I flew to Vegas, uh, to Hawaii in, in Waikiki area to corner my friend Jason Lambert. He was fighting Cabbage. Uh, I felt like the fight, it was, it's very, it was a back and forth fight. It was awesome. And then afterwards we were all invited to go out. Um, I went to the after party, you know, even though I was 18, it was when you were a fighter back then, it was, it got you through the door a lot of places. And, um, I remember being in the back and seeing BJ and BJ was already in the UFC and stuff. And, and I was like, Oh, what's up? And he's like, Oh, I know who you are, Joe Daddy. Um, he's like, or no, I know you who you are, Joe Stevenson, because I was a Wonder Boy back then. And he's like, we're gonna fight one day, bro. And I was like, what? And at the time, I was like 170, cutting to 170 from 205. And I was like, no way, um, no way. We're different weight classes. I love you. Um, literally, almost missed my flight. Uh, and then ending up, uh, the UFC tells me, Hey, if you want the title shot, you're going to have to fight BJ. And then just like, Oh crap. Just being surreal. Like, okay, it's happening. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I think it was, I remember BJ's like, he's such a, a good person and it, but he likes to get in the zone when he fights. So like we were at this summit for the UFC, right? But it was like three months before we were going to fight. And he's like, this is the last time Joe. We're going to shake hands because we're going to be fighting soon. And I was like, all right. And then I remember seeing him before the fight, and it's just hard for me not to give love to people. And I shook his hand, and I could tell he was like, dang it. Like, I didn't want to shake your hand, but okay. Um, it's uh, It was surreal. I, you're talking about somebody that was knocked unconscious at 17 by Jens Pulver, or I don't even know if I was knocked unconscious. I broke my orbital, never been in that much pain in the city of Columbine, like a month after the shooting. And, and then I would, after that, I'm still in high school. I'm a senior next, the next year I'm running on the treadmill. Uh, I got a baby on the way. Um, I'm just screaming, you know, I'm going to be the best on the treadmill, always in my head. Then I have these children and I can tell you, I can recall times where I'm pushing a red line. I'm running one minute sprints on full incline on 7.5 speed and walking one minute and going back and forth. And my heart rate feels like it's bearing out of my chest and I, I'm doing everything not to, to grab onto the, to the handles of the, of the treadmill and I'm in a, to do this, I'm screaming each foot in each foot. I would step, I would say, I, Hey, every other step, Jens, and I would say the same thing with BJ because I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta make this in my head. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't enough to keep me on the treadmill. I had to change it to, I love Joey. I love Tyler, my sons. And that, is what was able to push me to that threshold. So by the time I had to fight BJ, I had felt like I had been preparing it for it my whole life. 
And the only thing that sucked about that was I spent my whole life savings in Big Bear. Um, I was only getting 20 and 20 at the time. And I had 20,000 saved because I was trying to be smart and wise. And I put it all into a camp where I had Gray Maynard, Mark Hominick, Chris Hordecki, Jeff Glover, uh, Marilla Santana, uh, Jake Rolschalt, Shane Roller, all there. At, wait, I, I don't want to miss anyone. I, Chris Hordecki, I think, Sam Stout, uh, Tyson Griffin, uh, Gray Maynard, all rotating on me every minute to get me ready for that fight. And my idea was I'm going to go the distance because I need to get him tired and I got to bring him into the, the part where I've seen him be weak. Um, and then the end of the first round happened and I, and I see, and I see the blood squirting out of my head. And I remember right before the fight started the, at the weigh-ins the day before the, the, uh, the UFC and the came up to me and they're like, Hey, you're not in the U S this fight gets bloody. They're probably going to stop it. They told me that before the, the day before the fight. So that's in the back of my head. I just spent $20,000 on a camp expecting this fight to go the distance. The second round the second round starts. I shake my head like I'm ready, and I see blood squirt five feet out of my head. I'm like, oh, I, I had to throw the game plan out of the way. I had to fight. Afterwards, the head doctor was like, yeah, we estimated like you had to have lost like 500 cc's of blood at least. Um, and, and, and to have that just contemplate in my head like did i do the right thing you know doing the audible chasing him trying to trying to change the fight completely because i was scared that i might pass out from lack of blood um you know all of those things are factors and and then to see the picture one time this fan came up with a picture of me on my knees bloody crying and then bj over there and they were and they looked at me and i was like you, you sure you want me to sign this you sure you don't want bj to sign it and they looked at me and they're like, no, I want you to sign it. That was amazing. And I was like, okay. And I signed it. And I realized that to everyone, you know, that exact moment meant something a little different. To me, it meant, you know, aspirations and emotional, like, release of having to fight somebody I loved and cherished and honored. Um, all of those things happening at once and failure, you know. And then you know, when you lose, you only get paid your show money. So I spent my savings on that fight. And then the UFC sent me $5,000, like, as a bonus. And I was like, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> like, I remember legitimately thinking, like, wow, I've heard all these things about bonuses and being like 5000 bucks when I spent twenty, And I knew that the pay-per-view did really good. And I saw everyone that was there. Um, that hurt. But losing the fight hurt way more than the financials. Oh yeah, I got my, my head around a bottle. <laughs> that was horrible, right? That was that wasn't the right thing to do. I I I definitely my cornerman ended up shooting arrows in the hallways of a of a town home. We we I found out that uh absence is is legal in in England, I found out all these crazy things, um, and that was the wrong way to address that. That was the wrong way, and my job now is to help 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Educate the people coming up in the sport the wrong ways. <laughs> I want to go back to you as a trainer. You know, what tips can you give guys that want to get into MMA and how you're training people and stuff like that, man, it'd be great to hear just how you do the things you do in the gym and how you help these people at all levels, all skill levels of MMA. Well, the the thing of the matter is, like, every fighter is different. Every circumstance is different. You can't, every fighter can't be coached the same. You can't yell at somebody the same way that as you need, somebody needs encouragement. Um, sometimes people need you know, a little fruit hanging in front of them to dangle in front of them for them to get it and figuring out that. Um, so the number one thing I tell all fighters is they got to figure out what they're fighting for. So if you want to be the best in the world, it honestly starts with being the best in the room and being the best in the room doesn't mean you need to find a new room it needs it, it means you need to figure out ways to increase the intensity and the level like shark tanks things like that i hate it when people are like oh if you're in the best room you got to go no if you're the best in the room you got to figure out ways to challenge yourself um you got to figure out what you're fighting for are you fighting to be the best of all time are you fighting to sign boobs are you fighting to skip lines what what are you fighting for because when you tell me what you're fighting for I can now use that to push you and to hold you accountable and you can now focus. Um, and that's when you're going to see a lot better training. It's like if you've ever been going through like any type of court for family and, you know, the mediator sit you down and say, describe your life. Well, I described my life to the mediator and I was like, I've got, I've, I don't hang out with anyone that doesn't have kids because I want to be around my kids on my free time. I don't like, I found out a lot about myself. I was like, wow. And, and then if you were to do that with what you do, like for fighting, I told you, I, I go, I coach anywhere from eight to 10 hours daily. Friday is only five hours. And then on the weekends, sometimes it's all weekend. Um, but I don't stress out. I had a I had a gallbladder removed and I was at the day after I was released I was coaching at 6:30 a.m. because my kids needed to see what it takes to be the best. Everything it takes everything. Like I I hate hearing people like say what car like I I tell people good problems are not problems. Like when you got to figure out what car to drive to the mall or on your vacation, that's a good problem to have. You shouldn't bring it up. Um, certain things are good problems to have. You want to have a position where you're training, where you have good problems. Oh man, I could go here. I could go there today. Oh man, I can go hard in the morning or hard at night. Those are good problems to have. If you find yourself saying that, like the fact that you can dictate your training like that, that's a great problem to have. The, um, so I guess staying positive, focus, understanding why they fight. Most of the people that try to sign up on my gym, I try to talk them out of fighting. 
Um, if I can talk, and then, you know what? I've had a couple people come up to me after and, and say, you know, I went and I trained here instead, you know, and, 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 you know, like trying to show me up and I'm like, okay, buddy, the whole thing is like, if you came to me and asked me to fight and I can talk you out of it, you weren't going to be a fighter anyway. So some people have taken it rude when I try to talk them out of it and try to prove me wrong. And that's great if that helped inspire them, but the, but they don't get it. Like they're using rage to push them. Um, I, you know, any of those people have ever tried to push a direction away from fighting. Um, I hope if they're listening to this, they understand the reason. Um, God has everything happen for a reason. You know how it feels to hold somebody's head when they're unconscious? I do. You know, like, I know how it feels. And these guys, like, oh, are these parents that never fought pushing these kids? I just want to sometimes, they they have no idea the, the, the fact that when I drive at night, shiny lights hurts my vision because I've been concussed before I was 18. You know, all these things. And they're going to put their kids in the middle of it without never taking it. And they're going to they're gonna say the most. I've heard parents say the craziest stuff or coaches say the craziest stuff when I knew the parent or the coach didn't have the same experience or level or have ever felt what that kid is feeling. Um, that upsets me. <laughs> That's bad on the parents' part, though, isn't it? You know, the dangers of doing this and, you know, guys who can do it, I tip my hat to them, you know, the stuff that happens to them, the aftercare people need it. It's not as straightforward as people think. And, you know, they're putting their kids at risk. Sometimes it takes a certain type of person to do this, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It's CT. It's pro yeah. It's stuttering. It's stuttering when you see your, your buddies when you're 40. It's you can't remember birthdays. You know, they don't care about that. I I get scared in public because my dad was bipolar and schizophrenic. I've my whole, lived my whole life with my mom telling me never to, to control my emotions and not to let it take care of me, uh, take over me because it had changed me. And so I had to hear people whispering, oh, it's Joe over there. Like, instead of, like, coming up and talking to me or um, all of this stuff. And that stuff drives me crazy and is so scary. Um, too, I guess that was just me sharing <laughs> some of my fears. There's so many, there's so much that, so much that goes on to this fighting that the parents have no idea if they weren't in the sport. Oh, but you know what? I just noticed about to be practice time, so I can't let you go, brother. Oh, not a problem at all. I'm so mindful of your time and you sparing the time to come on Stu's Wrestling Podcast to talk to me today. But before you go, Joe, just can you plug free MMA, the service that is available with your friend Jared, who is running it. And there is a GoFundMe as well. People can make donations, can't they? Oh, wonderful. I, um, with the, the opportunities that you are going to create by pushing one of these children let me just tell you so let's say imagine if you've ever wrestled somebody and you're like why are they going so hard it's just a match it's just it's just uh it's just a takedown it's just a submission because it means more to that person than you because maybe you weren't 
you didn't weren't there in their life when they felt like the only admiration they could get was through victory because you know maybe their parents were addicted to drugs or gone in jail or um or you know or passed on you know all of these things like you're about to by helping freedom of may and helping these children you're gonna change somebody's life in the future like you just started a domino effect like if if you can buy a two dollar powerball ticket you could send two dollars to them that would be amazing um it'd probably be spent a lot better my guest today for episode 141 of Stu's Asin Podcast, UFC legend, MMA legend, training guys now, the future stars of pro MMA. Thank you so, so much. Joe, Daddy Stevenson, UFC alumni, thank you so, so much for coming on Stu's Wrestling Podcast today. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Stu. God bless you. Have a great time. The fantastic Joe Daddy Stevenson there, former UFC fighter, MMA fighter, giving back to the community now. Obviously, you heard about Free MMA, the gym that has been set up to help people, low-income families, kids that are troubled, have had issues, personal issues happening to them, and even seniors. As you heard, Joe, he's giving back to everybody within MMA, and you know, him touching upon his sobriety as well. He was so honest and open about that, and it's so good that he was 10 years sober. He stuck to it, and just everything about the man. His kids doing so well, one of his kids wrestling, and him living that through his son is amazing to hear. So this has been episode 141 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, and we will see you very, very soon for episode 142 of the show. Take care, everybody. God bless. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.